وقوله سبحانه هو الأول والآخر والظاهر والباطن وهو بكل شيء عليم وقوله سبحانه وتوكل على الحي الذي لا يموت وقوله وهو العليم الحكيم وقوله وهو الحكيم الخبير يعلم ما يلج في الأرض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يخرج فيها وقوله وعنده مفاتيح الغيب لا يعلمها إلا هو ويعلم ما في البر والبحر وما تسقط من ورقة إلا يعلمها ولا حبة في ظلمات الأرض ولا رطب ولا يابس إلا في كتاب مبين وقوله وما تحمل من أنثى ولا تدع إلا بعلمه وقوله لتعلموا أن الله على كل شيء كبير وأن الله قد أعاد بكل شيء علما وقوله إن الله هو الرزاق ذو القوة المتين وقوله ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير وقوله إن الله لهم ما يهدكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. الحمد لله وحده نستعينه ونستهديه ونستغفره ونتوب إليه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبد الله وقلبه ورسوله. أرسله رحمة للعالمين ليخرج الناس من الظلمات إلى النور فبلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمان ونصح للأمة وجاهد في ذلك حق جهاد صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على صحابة محمد الذين صدقوا وآمنوا وهاجروا معه وإليه وجاهدوا معه وبعده واهتموا في نشر هذه الملة الحنيفية السمحة اللهم ارضى عنهم واملأ قلوبنا بحبك وحب رسولك وحب صحابة نبيك وحب المؤمنين واجعلنا جميعا من الذين ذكرتهم بقولهم يا حي يا قيوم والذين جاءوا بعدهم يقولون ربنا اغفر لنا ولاخواننا الذين سبقونا بالايمان اللهم اغفر لنا ولهم جميعا صدق هذه العقيدة كما هو معروف اسمها العقيدة الواسطية هذه كتبها الشيخ الشيخ الاسلام ابن تيمية لأهل واسط شمال العراق وهي من أنفس ما كتب في عقيدة التوحيد وأول درس هذا اليوم حول معنى قول الله جل وعلا هو الأول والآخر والظاهر والباطن وهو بكل شيء عليم وقوله وتوكل على الحي الذي لا يموت وقوله هو العليم الحكيم وقوله هو الحكيم الخبير 
فهذه الآية تتحدث عن شيء من صفات الله جل وعلا أما الآية الأولى لأنه هو الأول فليس قبله شيء ولا أحد هو الموجد لهذا الكون كله والآخر هو هو الباقي كل شيء هارك إلا الله جل وعلا إذا وفخ في الصور صاحقا من في السماوات ومن في الأرض إلا ما شاء الله فهو الأول قبل كل شيء وهو الآخر الباقي سبحانه وتعالى والخلق كلها عالق عليه هو المتكفل بحفظهم وأرزاقهم والباطن هو المطلع على حقائق الأمور وأسرارها وهو ظاهر البين كل هذا الوجود يدل على وجوده كل ما في الوجود يدل على قدرته سبحانه وتعالى ينبغي للمسلم ان يقرا اول سوره فصلت حنين فصلت ذكر الله جل وعلا خلق السماوات والارض وجعل فيها كل ما تحتاج اليه مع انه لو شاء خلقها بكلمه واحده ان يقول لها كوني فتكون والايه الاخرى يقول جل وعلا وتوكل على الحي الذي لا يموت المسلم ينبغي ان يعرف انه لا حول له ولا قوه الا بالله فليحسن التوكل عليه وليس من التوكل ان يعطل الانسان الاسباب لا يعمل بالاسباب ويعلم ان الاسباب وما يقوم به لا تحقق له المراد الا بتوفيق الله ويحتاج الى ان يكون متوكلا على الله ولذلك في الحديث لو انكم تتوكلون على توكلون على الله حق التوكل لرزقكم كما يرزق الطير تعد خماصا وتروح بطانه الطير ما وضعت لها اماكن تجمع المال تجمع المال به وانما اذا اصلحت توجهت تطلب رزقها واذا اواها الليل عادت إلى عوكالها ومحلولاتها متوكلة على الله جل وعلا وهو الحكيم العليم متوكل على الحي الذي لا يموت هو الحي جل وعلا والحياة الكاملة لا يموت لا يخلق هو الباقي بعد كل شيء وكل شيء في الوجود انما وجد بامره وتدبيره سبحانه وتعالى يقول وهو العليم الحكيم وهو الحكيم الخبير افعاله جل وعلا ليست ارتجاليات لا لا يفعل شيء الا لحكمه لا من قلب ولا من عذاب وعقوق 
لا من كوارث ولا من وقايه منها كل ذلك بتدبيره جل وعلا هو العليم كامل العلم الحكيم الذي يفعل ما يشاء ويقدر ما يشاء بالحكمة الحكمة التي اقتضتها إرادته سبحانه وتعالى يقول والآية الأخرى وهو الحكيم الخبير هذه وهو العليم الحكيم في سورة التعليم وهذه التي بعدها وهو الحكيم الخبير يعني الخبير البالغ الخبرة العالم العالم بكل شيء الله يعلم من خلق وهو اللطيف الخبير هذه الآيات تعلق بالإشارة إلى أن الله له العلو وله القرب قربه يعلم ما يفعل العباد ويسمع يقرأ قول الله جل وعلا قد سمع الله قول التي تجادلك في زوجها تقول عائشة رضي الله عنها إنني في الحجرة التي تخاطب المرأة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ويخفى علي بعض كلامه ما أسمعه والله من فوق سبع سماوات سمع الله سمع الله قول التي تجادلك في زوجها فهو جل وعلا يسمع ويرى وقرا لموسى انني معكما اسمع وارى لما امره واخاه هارون بان يذهب الى فرعون بانذاره ودعوته الى التسليم لله ولامره يقول هو العليم القبيل في هذه الايات فيها ذكر علو الله جل وعلا والظاهر فوق كل شيء وهو الاول وهو الباقي سبحانه وتعالى فيما يتعلق بعلمه يقول جل وعلا يعلم ما يلج في الارض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج فيها هذه الامور الهائله امطار ورياح ونزول وكوارث وصواعق وانقراض كواكب كل ذلك معلوم لله ثم هو ايضا معلوم لله جل وعلا قبل ان يكون ثم في حديث خلق لما خلق الله القلم مره مره قال الله له اكتب قال وما اكتب قال اكتب ما هو كائن الى قيام الساعه يقول وما يخرج منه فالله جل وعلا يعلم كل ما يكون من ذرات في هذا الكون من نبات ونمو وثمار وسقوط شيء منها وسقوط الاوراق وسقوط حبات الى غير ذلك لا يوجد اي حركه في هذا الكون الا والله جل وعلا يعلمها ويقدر عليه يقول سبحانه يعلم ما يلج في الارض وما يخرج منه ما يدخل في الارض من جميع ما يتصور انه يدخل في الارض 
الله يعلم وما يخرج منها من جوفها كل ما يخرج منها يعلمه الله جل وعلا فهو العالم بكل شيء وكذلك ما ينزل من السماء ما ينزل من السماء من امطار وصواعق وغير ذلك كل ما جاء اثر هذا الكون من حكم العلو فالله يعلمه لا تخفى عليه خافيه يقول في الايه ايضا بعد وعنده مفاتح الغيب لا يعلمها الا هو ويعلم ما في البر والبحر وما تسقط من ورقه الا يعلمها ولا حبه في ظلمات الارض ولا رق ولا يابس الا في الكتاب المبين ويقول اللي بعدها وما تحمل من انثى ولا تضع الا بعلمه لتعلموا ان الله على كل شيء قدير وان الله قد احاط بكل شيء علما كل هذه الايات تدل على سعه علم الله جل وعلا وعظيم معرفته لكل ما يعلم علمه بكل شيء مما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج اليه يقول جل وعلا يقول سبحانه ان الله هو الرزاق ذو القوه المتين ان الخلق لا يستطيعون ان يرزقوا يرزقوا انفسهم الله يقول وما من دابه في الارض الا على الله رزقها ليس مجرد فقد الرزق لا ويعلم مستقرها ومستودعها وان هذا ايضا كله من كتاب يقول سبحانه فيما يتعلق بالسمع والبصر ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير قوله ان الله من اما يعظكم به ان الله كان سميعا بصيرا كل ما يتصور في الكمال فاحمل الكمال لله والنقل والقول كلهم لا بد ان يعتريهم شيء من يعتريهم شيء من النفس واما الله جل وعلا فهو هو الكامل في كل شيء سبحانه وتعالى يقول ليس كمثله شيء يعني مما يمكن ان يتصور من الخلق اي شيء من العظم ليس كمثل الله شيء هو الذي لا مثيل له لكن وهو مع ذلك السميع يسمع البصير يرى الله يقول انني معكما اسمع وارى يقول ان الله نعم ما يعظكم ان الله كان سميعا بصيرا يسمع دعاءكم وشكواكم ويسمع ما ايضا ما يكثر منكم مما لا يريده ويعلم ذلك فهو سبحانه وتعالى المحيط بكل شيء الى هنا في يتعلق بالاوصاف التي يتصف بها الله جل وعلا في اوليته ودوامه سعه علمه كمال حكمته احاطته بكل شيء 
وانه يعلم كل ما يوجد في هذا القول في سماء وعرض لا لا تسقط ورقه تصور الاوراق وما ينزل من نوابه الارض والقبوم وغير ذلك لا شيء الا ويعلمه جل وعلا فهو العالم بكل شيء على المؤمن على الانسان ما دام انه محتاج الى حفظ الله له ومنع الكوارث عنه وشفائه من كل مرض وصد كل ما يخشى عنه فليحسن التوكل عليه يحسن من الاعلام عجزه عن الدفع عن نفسه الا بالله يتذكر قول النبي على اخبرك به ادلك على كنز من كنوز الجنه لا حول قال سعر السحب معه قال لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله كنز من كنوز الجنه فالمؤمن ينبغي ان يتعاهدها في اموره كلها حتى ان وجد شيء مما لا يريده حل يعلم ان هذا امر قد اراه ان هذا امر قد اراه الله ويتذكر قول النبي واعلم ان ما اصابك لم يكن لوقته يعني قبل ان يصيبك الشيء ما يحرص على دفعه لكن اذا اصابك لا تقل لو اني فعلت كذا ربما ما وقع ذلك لا ما دام وقع شيء فما يمكن ان يتخلف ذلك وقوعه دل على ان حصوله امر حتمي هذا مجمل سياتي ان شاء الله تعالى فيما يتعلق باثبات ان الله جل وعلا له المشيئه المطلقه والاراده الكامله وانه يحب جل وعلا من يستحقون الحب وانه ينبغي للعبد ان يحب الله جل وعلا لا يؤمن الواحد حتى يقول الله ورسوله احب اليه من كل شيء مما سياتي وفي اشاره الى قول عمر رضي الله عنه للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اني والله لا لانت احب الي من كل شيء الا من نفسي فقال له لا ما يتم الايمان لا الا من نفسك فقال والله لانت الان احب الي من من نفسي ومن كل شيء قال الان احب يعني كمال الايمان ما يتم الا بحصول صدق المحبه لله حقيقه ولرسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم واذا صحت المحبه بيقين امتنع الانسان عن المنكرات والمحرمات وجد في عمل الطاعات التي فرضها الله تقرب الى الله لنوافل العبادات ولكن تحصيل الكمال البالغ هذا نادر المسلمون كم عددهم الان ومن وجد الاسلام كم عددهم الذين ذكر سبعين الف يدخلون الجنه بغير حساب ولا عذاب ثم لما خاضوا في امرهم قالهم الذين لا 
يسترقون ما يطلبون احد ابدا رقيه وعلاج ولا يكتمون لا ياخذون اي علاج ولا يتطيرون لا يتشعرون بشيء وعلى ربهم يتوكلون اذا اجتمعت عند الواحد هؤلاء الاشياء الاربع على كمالهم يفوز بالدخول في الجنه بغير حساب اذا مات عليهم لكن متى يكون ذلك لا يكون الا لمن وفقه الله جل وعلا فاسال الله جل وعلا ان يجعلنا واياكم جميعا من الموفقين وان يحيي يوفقنا جميعا لحب الخير لنا ولاخوان المسلمين في كل مكان كما اسال جل وعلا ان يجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مباركا نافعا لنا ولمن نحبه انه سبحانه مجيب الدعاء صلى الله عليه وسلم الشيخ حفيظه الله تعالى in tonight's lesson he mentioned that Sheikh al-Islam ibn al-Tamir mentioned in this book titled Al-Aqid al-Wasitiyah that you go from the people for the people of Wasit which is in northern Iraq and the Sheikh mentioned that this is one of the most precious of treaties that has been written in the affair of Aqidah. And in today's, tonight's lesson, we read the first verse from Surah Al-Hadid, that Allah is the first, and Allah is the last, and that Allah is apparent, and Allah is that which is hidden. And He is, has knowledge over all things. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, an explanation of these verses. These verses are referring to matters related to the sifat, the attributes of Allah. And the first is Allah is the first. So there is nothing before Allah Azawajal and Allah is the one who creates everything. There is nothing in the creation except that Allah Azawajal is the one who created it. And the last, Allah is the one who will remain when the horn is blown into, everyone that Allah decrees will drop. Everyone in the heavens and everyone in the earth will drop. And only Allah Azza remains. So everyone is in need of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah knows the intricate affairs, that which is hidden, the secrets. So the fact that Allah is hidden, meaning that Allah knows that which is hidden, He knows the intricate affairs, He knows that which is secret. So the Shaykh Habib al mentioned the explanation of these verses, and he went on to say the next one, that Allah is Dahir, everything which is in the creation informs about Allah The fact that He created everything, so everything is a sign of Allah. And the Shaykh mentioned Allah Ta'ala that it's befitting for a Muslim to read the first verses in Surah Al-Fusilat. If you read the first verses, the beginning verses in Surah Al-Fusilat, you will find that Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth, and that Allah Ta'ala placed everything which is present in the heavens and the earth. And Allah Ta'ala did it in a number of days, but if He wanted to, he would have done it with one statement, be and it is. 
created the heavens and the earth with one statement B, and it is. And then he went on to explain the second verse, which was in Surah Al-Furqan, and put your trust in the all-living, the one who does not perish, the one who does not die. The Shaykh mentioned Allah Ta'ala that the believer puts his trust in Allah because he knows that he cannot change anything, nor does he have any strength except by way of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, because of this, the believer puts his full trust in Allah. This does not mean that he does not perform the actions which will allow him to accomplish his goals. But the believer knows that the action will not allow him to accomplish his goal except that Allah decrees this. So because of that, he puts his full trust in Allah Azza wa Jal. Like the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith, if you were truly to put your trust in Allah, Allah will provide for you just as He provides for the birds. The birds leave their nests hungry and they return with their stomachs filled with food. This was the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. So this is truly putting your trust in Allah Azza wa Jal. And put your trust in Allah, the All-Living. Allah has complete life. Allah does not perish. He will remain after everything. And Allah is in control of all things. Then we went on to the next verses. The verse of Allah Surah Al-Tahreem. Allah is the All-Knowing, the All-Wise. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that the actions of Allah are not done without a purpose. Allah does not do something without a person, without a purpose and without a reason. But Allah is the all-knowledgeable, He's the all-wise. So everything that Allah does, Azzawajal, from creation and from punishments and everything that He sends, uh, from the weather and the likes, all of this is from the wisdom of Allah Azzawajal. Allah is Al-Aleem, He has complete knowledge. Allah is Al-Hakim, he has complete wisdom. And that which Allah does, He does it out of His complete wisdom. In the next verse, Wahul Hakim al Khabir, and Allah is the all wise, the all knowing. Allah knows everything. As Allah says, Allah does not the one who created you know. So Allah knows everything. He is all aware, He is all informed. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that these verses were pertaining to, these verses are also going to mention, uh, or that which is understood from these verses is the highness of Allah Azawajal, but at the same time his closeness to his servants with his knowledge. Allah is all aware of the actions of his servants. As it was mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu where a female came to the Prophet to complain about something. And the Prophet was listening to her complaint, listening to her complaint in a section of his house. And Aisha radiallahu she said, Glory be to Allah, the one whose hearing encompasses everything. I heard some of her complaint, and some of her complaint I did not hear. But verily Allah is above the seven heavens, and he heard all of her complaint. Likewise, the statement of Allah to Musa Inni ma'akum ma'asma'u wa'ara Verily I am with you 
I am with Musa and I am with Harun. I hear and I see. This is when Allah Azawajal ordered Musa and Harun to approach Fir'aun and to call him to belief in Allah. Allah said to Musa, Verily I am with you. I hear and I see. So, now, and the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala in the previous verse where Allah Ta'ala mentioned Abbahir. Uh, that Allah Ta'ala is apparent, it also means that Allah Azawajal is above His creation. He is above His creation, but at the same time, Allah Azawajal hears and knows the actions of His servants. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, we look at these tremendous things around us, we look at that which is around us, we look at the, the, the falling of the rain, we look at the, the stars, we look at all of these things around us, verily Allah knows every single thing which takes place in the creation. As we had in the hadith that we previously mentioned, the hadith of the qalam, the pen, when Allah created the pen, Allah said, write. And the pen said, what should I write? Allah said, write everything which will take place until the day of judgment. So Allah is aware of all things. There is not a seed which is in the earth except that Allah knows about it. There is not a plant that springs from the earth except that Allah knows about it. There is no fruit that comes from the earth except that Allah knows about it. There is no leaf that falls down from the trees except that Allah Azawajal knows about it. There is nothing of movement in the earth except that Allah Azawajal is all aware of it. And that came in the verses, يَعْلَمُ مَا يَلِجُ فِي الْأَرْضِ He knows that which is in the earth and that which comes from the earth and that which falls from the sky and that which goes up to the sky and so it's sabah. That was the verse, verily everything that takes place, there is no movement except that Allah is all aware. Everything which enters into the earth, Allah knows of it. And everything which comes out of the earth, Allah knows of it. And everything which falls from the sky, Allah knows of it. From the rain and from the, 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 the lightning, everything which takes place, Allah is all aware of it. Verily Allah has the keys of the unseen. And no one knows it except Allah, such as the verse in Surah Al-Anham. And the Shaykh mentioned of Allah Ta'ala, all of these verses inform about the tremendous knowledge of Allah Azawajal, and that there's nothing that comes down, nor goes up, nor in it, except that Allah is all aware of it. And then he mentioned, all of these verses are pertaining to the knowledge of Allah Azawajal. Then he mentioned the other verse in Surah Al-Dariyat, إِنَّ اللَّهُ وَرَّزَّاءَ that Allah Azawajal is the provider. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, there's no animal on the earth except that Allah is the one to provide for it. And Allah knows its home and Allah knows where it stores its food. So nothing is hidden from Allah Azawajal. Likewise, we mentioned the following verses about the hearing of Allah and the sight of Allah in Surah Al-Shura and Surah Al-Nisa. That Allah hears all things. From the complete characteristics, this is from the complete characteristics of Allah Azawajal. Every characteristic of Allah is complete. But the characteristics of the creation are not complete. The creation, they might have deficiency. Some things they are aware of, some things they are not aware of. But Allah Azawajal, none of these characteristics have deficiency. They are complete characteristics. There is nothing similar to Allah Azawajal. You cannot imagine anything except that Allah is not similar to it. And from that is His hearing and His seeing. As Allah Taala said in the previously mentioned verse, I hear and I see. So Allah Azawajal, He hears your supplication. Allah hears your complaints. 
and Allah hears that which you say which is not pleasing to him ta'ala, he is all in his knowledge or his hearing is all encompassing so these are the verses or these are the, these verses mention the characteristics of Allah Azawajal, from his wisdom from his knowledge from he, the fact that he is apparent from the fact that he is above all of the all of these verses are about are about the characteristics of Allah Azawajal, and we understand that there's nothing in the creation nothing in the heavens nor in the earth except that Allah Taala is all aware of it even the dropping of the leaves from the tree the shakes from the trees the shaykh mentioned Habibullah Taala imagine all of the leaves from the tree imagine all of the the seeds from the plants there is nothing hidden from the knowledge of Allah Azawajal. The individual, the servant, you understand that you are in need of the protection of Allah Azawajal. And you understand that you are in need that Allah Taala safeguards you from, from all types of harm. And that Allah cures you from all types of illnesses. With that being the case, it is incumbent that you put your full trust in Allah Azawajal. And that you constantly make it clear and you make, make it known that you are in need of the protection of Allah Azza wa Jal and you are in need of Allah making you safe from all types of harm. And that's why when the Prophet وسلم, said to his companions, should I not inform you of the treasures of one of the treasure, treasures of Jinnah? The person said, yes, Rasulullah, please inform me of one of the treasures of Jinnah. The Prophet وسلم, said by saying, there is no change nor is there any might except by Allah Azza wa Jal. La wa la illa billah. This is one of the treasures of Jinnah. And because of that, it is upon the servant to constantly turn to Allah Azawajal and seek his protection. But if something befalls you of a calamity or of difficulty, you know that it was decreed by Allah Azawajal. You should not just say, you should not say, if I did this or did that, this would have not happened. No, it was decreed. So you supplicate to Allah for Allah to protect you, for Allah to prevent harm from afflicting you. But if it takes place, you know that it was decreed by Allah Azawajal. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith, know that if anything befalls you, it was not meant to miss you. Meaning it was decreed that it would take place. So you should not say, if I did this or that, it would have not taken place. Then, in the following verses which we would read next week, Allah talks about His will. That Allah has a will and Allah has a desire and a want. And verily this is complete. And likewise we're going to talk about uh, the love of Allah and the fact that it's incumbent upon the believer to love Allah and love his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam above all things. As it took place that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I love you and Allah above everyone except my thought. He said, I love you. Umar ibn Khattab said, Ya Rasulullah, I love you more than anyone except myself. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no, that is not sufficient. You have to love me more than you love yourself. Umar said, Ya Rasulullah, now I love you more than myself. So these chapters are going to come. And the Shaykh Habibullah Ta'ala, when the person has this uh, certainty, then this allows the person to abstain from that which is forbidden. And it gives the person it gives the person diligency in performing that which is loved by Allah Azza wa Jal. But verily an individual, more than likely an individual won't, won't be complete. The individual won't be complete, but they strive and they struggle. And the Shaykh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala, that the Prophet ﷺ, look at the number of Muslims. Look at the number of Muslims around the world. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there would be 70,000 people who were into Jannah without any reckoning nor any punishment. And they are the people that do not seek ruqya from others. And they are the people that do not seek uh, cures from others. 
and they are the people that put their trust in Allah Azawajal. Actually, the Prophet mentioned four characteristics, and these people were into Jinnah without any reckoning nor any punishment. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that we ask Allah to make us amongst those who have success, and we ask Allah Azawajal to make us from amongst those who implement the true love of Allah Azawajal, and we ask Allah to have true love for our brothers and for our true love for good and for our brothers. No matter where they are in the world, they will ask Allah to make this a blessed gathering. يقول السائل شخص ولد مسلما ولكن لم يكن متمسكا بدينه ثم هداه الله تعالى قبل سنوات كثيره فماذا عليه حفظكم الله تعالى من اسرق على نفسه وارتكب ذنوبا مهما كثرت إذا تاب صادقا منها فكل ما كان بينه وبين الله يمحوه الله بالتوبة وإذا كان للعباد حقوق حقوق فعليه أن يقتل الناس حقوقهم من مال أو جنايات جماعة الله يقول قل يا عبادي الذين اسرفوا على انفسهم لا تقنطوا من رحمه الله ان الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا والله يقول واني لغفار لمن تاب والنبي يقول لعمرو بن العاص اما علمت ان الاسلام يجب ما قبله يعني ينحوك وان التوبه تجب ما قبلها يعني من الذنوب التي بين العبد وبين الله جل وعلا الإنسان ينبغي له إذا ارتكب ذنوبا ألا يأس من عبد الله ورحمته بل يبادر بالتوبة إن كانت عليه حقوق للناس أعطاهم إياها أو مكنهم من تقصيدها وما كان من الله فإن التوبة تمحو به من is upon them. The Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, an individual who was upon sin, they were performing different types of sins, no matter what they were, and then the individual repents to Allah Azawajal, then Allah accepts the repentance. But if they had sins that were between them and others, if they oppressed others, then it is upon them to give back that which they have taken, for example, wealth and the likes. Allah says, Say to my servants who have wronged themselves, do not despair from the mercy of Allah, 
Verily, Allah forgives all sins. Indeed, I am the most forgiving, the most merciful. And another verse of the Quran, and indeed I am all forgiving for those who repent. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned to Amr bin As, Do you not know that Islam wipes away that which came before it, and Tawbah or uh, repentance wipes away that which came before it? So it's upon the individual to repent to Allah Azawajal. And they should not despair from the mercy of Allah, but they should uh, race toward forgiveness. And if they have rights that belong to other people, they should give those individuals their rights. لما أقول منهم ولكنهم لا يستطيعون الجواب معنى أن الميت يسمع الكلام داخل السماع الذي لا يجعله يستطيع أن يجيب Individuals asking uh, the people of the grave do they hear and the Sheikh mentioned they hear but they don't hear like we hear and the proof for that is the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that when an individual is placed in his grave, they hear the footsteps of the people that are walking away from the grave. Likewise, when the Prophet ﷺ addressed the, the individuals from amongst the mushrikeen who had died in the battle of Badr, and the companions, they said, Ya Rasulullah, why are you speaking to them? And the Prophet ﷺ said, their hearing is not less than your hearing. So the Shaykh mentioned Ta'ala that they can hear, but it is not similar to the hearing of our hearing, and likewise, or, or they also can't respond to that which is being said to them. The Shaykh likewise said, and likewise we have been uh, instructed by the Prophet to give greetings when we visit the, people, the graveyards. We give greetings to uh, the Muslim, uh, the Muslim individuals who are buried. We give greetings to them. So, and we say, peace be to you, peace upon you. So we're greeting individuals, we're greeting individuals. So if it, it was that these individuals could not hear us, it would be that we would say, uh, 
greetings or peace be upon the people of the grave, but we actually say peace be upon you. Uh, so this also informs that they can hear. Individuals ask him, does the Prophet hear an individual who gives uh, salams and does he reply back? The Sheikh mentioned the Prophet informed that when a person gives salams, the Prophet the Prophet informed that when a person gives him salams, Allah Azawajal uh, returns his soul and so that he can give return the salams. But obviously we can't hear the Prophet returning the salams. And likewise, we can't hear the punishment of the people of the grave. It took place that the Prophet passed by two graves and he said to his companions, indeed these individuals are being punished. And they are not being punished for something major, but in fact it is major. The Prophet and this hadith is inside Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And the Prophet said uh, that one of them, he used to walk with Namima, meaning tail carrying, he tells people things to cause discord between them. And the other, <coughs> he used to not clean himself from his urine. They were not disbelievers, they were Muslims, but they did not, uh, they had this deficiency with regards to the two things. So this informs that we cannot hear uh, the salams of the Prophet nor can we hear the punishment of the people of the grave. يقول السؤال كيف يسبب الشخص على طلب العلم من يريد طلب العلم كيف يسبب عليه من أهم الأمور التي ينبغي للواحد أن يعود نفسه على الصبر في تطلبها العلم ولسيما العلم المتعلق لدين الله جل وعلا العباده معرفه الحرام والحلال الاجر والثواب الى غير ذلك ينبغي ان يسكت والنفس تحتاج الى مكابده والانسان اذا وفق يعمل عملا حسابيا اليوم والليله 24 ساعه 
يبعد ساعات النوم وساعات الاكل وساعات القيام بالاعمال التي يكلف القيام بها عندما يعمل العمل الحسري يجد ان اليوم والليله يبقى في منهما وقت لا يعرف كيف استغله ينبغي ان يحسن استغلال الوقت واستغلال الوقت هو من اعظم الاسباب التي تجعل الواحد يحصل على العلم لكن النفس محتاجه الى وقت مصابره وحملها على الصبر ايضا من اسباب ثبات العلم ان يعود الانسان نفسه حفظ العلم بصدر يكرر حتى يحفظ اذا قدر ان يحفظ بالنص فحسن واذا لم يقدر ان يحفظ بالنص يحفظ ولو مجرد الاتجاه والمعنى Individuals asking, how does a person, the patient, upon seeking knowledge? And the Sheikh answered, Habibullah Ta'ala, that one of the most important things that an individual should uh, force themselves or accustom themselves to be patient with is knowledge. Especially knowledge pertaining to the religion of Allah Azawajal. Knowledge about the actions of worship, knowledge about that which is halal, knowledge about that which is haram, knowledge about uh, things that gain reward and the likes. It's incumbent that an individual condition themselves to be patient with knowledge. And one of the ways that this can occur is that an individual is cautious and counts their time. The day is 24 hours. The person should deduct the time for sleeping, the time for eating, the time for working and the likes, and then they should see where they have their free time or their time which is not used for anything. And it's befitting that they take advantage of this free time. And when a person does so, this would want to be, this would be one of the greatest reasons why they can obtain all the greatest elements which will allow them to obtain knowledge. But they must be patient. And they must display patience. Also from the things that would allow, the elements that allow an individual to, to uh, preserve the knowledge that they have attained is that the individual no. No. is that the individual tries their best to memorize. They tries, try their best and they repeat uh, the memorization of the actual text that they're trying to memorize or that the individual tries to memorize the meaning. So the fact that the individual constantly repeats this information and memorizes this, this information, this would be one of the reasons why they preserve the knowledge with they, which they have gained. يقول السائل في أي أو متى يبدأ الولد بذهاب للمشي مع أبيه الصلوات الخمس؟ يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مروا أولادكم بالصلاة للسبع يعني إذا أكملوا أتموا السنة السابعة واضربوهم عليها لعشر يعني من أكمل العاشر إذا ترك الصلاة يضرب لكن ليس بالضرب القاتل ولكنه الضرب الذي يؤلمه فيزجره ويضرب 
هذا كله انما يفعل في توفر الامن اما اذا لم يكن الامن متوفرا فيصلي في المنزل الوقت الصغير الا اذا من اذا خرج انه لا يتعرض لاكثر Individuals asking when should the child, the young boy, begin to go to the masjid with his father for the daily prayers. The Shaykh mentioned Habibullah that the Prophet said, Order your children to pray, your, uh, no, your children to pray at the age of seven. And hit them if they do not pray by the age of ten. So if the child uh, reaches seven, it's obligatory for them to pray. And if they don't pray by the age of 10, you have to hit them. The Shaykh mentioned that this is not the type of hitting where you want to uh, physically harm them, but you want to admonish them and you want them to feel, uh, you know, obligation of prayer. But with regards to leaving the home, the Shaykh mentioned, Habibullah that if it is safe for the child to leave the home and they will not be harmed by anyone or anything, then they should leave the home to go pray in the masjid. But if you fear for them that they would be harmed by something or something, then they would pray at home. النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أخبر أن الشيطان يسعى لإفساد حياة المسلم الحياة الإسلامية ولما عرض عليه ما يلقاه الشخص من ظن حصول ريح أو ظن خروج ماء الذي قال بالنسبه للريح لا ينصر لكثره الضائع ما هو عليه من الطهاره يظنها غسله الا اذا سمع صوت الحدث الذي يخرج من الدبر او شم رائحه سيئه الشيطان ربما يمسح ذكر ابن ادم حتى يشعر بان في ذكره انه يخرج من ذكره بول لا يلتفت الى هذا الا ان تيقن خروج اللوم ثم ينبغي للواحد ايضا ان يحمل نفسه على تجنب الانشغال بالوساوس لانه اذا صار ما بين فتره واخرى يذهب يكشف عن نفسه هل خرج بول هل كذا الشيطان يسعى جاهدا لاضلال الانسان اذا لم يستطع اثباتها هذا الحاصل يكفيه انه شغل بال المسلم ينبغي ان يعود نفسه ان لا يلتفت الى ذلك الا ان علم امرا متاخرا. Individuals asking that sometimes he uh, urinates and after cleaning himself and making wudu, he feels some type of movement, he's not sure if urine uh, has come out or what. Sheikh mentioned Ali that the shaitan is very diligent in destroying the life of the Muslim. And one of the ways that he seeks to accomplish this is to make the individual believe that he has passed a gas 
or he has urinated or urine has come out. So when the Prophet the Prophet has directed the believer that when this happens to you, do not leave the prayer. Meaning do not leave the prayer or think that you have invalidated your evolution except that you hear the sound of the gas or you smell the gas. So the shaitan, the shaykh mentioned, the shaitan would even uh, touch the, the private of the individual to make the individual feel that urination has come out. So the individual should not give any type of attention to that which he feels, except if he has certainty that something has come out. It's befitting that the individual does not busy himself with these type of whispers. The shaitan is very diligent and he races towards distracting you. And if he, if he cannot distract you, then at least he tries to make you think that something has come out, so the individual should ignore that which he feels. إذا كان الخط اللي سلكت في الطائرة خط مستقيم من جدة إلى الغرب لا تكن من طريق الطيران وافدة عن طريق الشمال أو جنوب وإنما عن طريق مستقيم إلى جدة فأرجو أنه لا حرج عليك لأنك لم تمر بالميقات جدة ليست ميقات وليس في البحر ميقات وإنما مواقيت كلها برية من الشمال الجعفة شمال جدة ومن الجنوب يلملم قريب من الساحل لكن جنوب إذا كان طريقة خط مستقيم من الغرب فلا عليك شيء إن شاء الله لكن يمر بالشمال يمر بالشمال إذا كان يمر بالشمال يكون كأنه عاتب من مصر مثلا أو من الشام فهو يكون تجاوز الميقات في هذه الحال عليها الفئة إذا كان لذة بمجرد ما قرب من الميقات ففي هذه الحال لا يبقى عليه إلا أمر اللباس أنه محظور اللباس هذا إن ذبع فدية فذبح وإذا لم يذبح فدية فإطعام عشرة مساكين فيها كذلك Individuals asking that they, some years ago, they made Umrah from America, but they did not wear the ihram until they arrived in Jiddah. So what is upon them? The Sheikh mentioned, if it was a straight uh, flight from America to Jiddah, meaning uh, the individual did not come from north or from south, then there was nothing upon them. Then I mentioned to the Sheikh that actually the plane does come from north, as the individuals coming from those over Egypt and the likes of that, then the Sheikh mentioned Abi Balatala, that means that the individual has passed the Miqat. And he mentioned the Miqat, which is north, is Juhba, which is north of Jiddah, and which is south of Jiddah, is Yalamlam. So the Sheikh mentioned Abi Balatala, 
that uh, if the individual made the intention at the miqat and the only thing that they did not do was wear the ihram, then the individual should make a fidya, which is an expiation, a slaughtering in Mecca. Uh, but if the individual did not put on the ihram, nor did they make the intention, then the fidya is obligatory, the expiation is obligatory. But if not, meaning if they made the intention for the umrah, but they did just not, they did not wear the, the clothing, then the shaykh said the person can do fidya, or the person can uh, feed ten people, uh, ten poor people. It's am ashram to ten feed ten poor people. يقول السؤال هل يجوز لي إذا أردت أن أسافر خارج هذه البلاد إلى بلدي لزيارة والدي هل يجوز لي أن أترك زوجتي هنا بدون محرم؟ المحرم إنما يشترط للسفر وليس للإفراد. الدنيا كلها الدنيا كلها توجد نساء في بيوت ليس لهن محارم في المدينة التي يعيشوا فيها. إنما المحرم للسفر إذا سافر الإنسان ترك زوجته مقيمة ولا يخشى عليه فلا حرج عليه. The individual is asking if I want to visit my parents outside of this country, is it permissible for me to leave my life here without a mahram? The Sheikh mentioned Habib al Asad the mahram is for traveling, not that if she is remaining and you're traveling. He said, in the world, you have women all over the world in the houses without mahrams. They don't have male guardians in the homes. But if you travel, so it's permissible that if you travel and you leave your wife, that is permissible, except if you fear harm for her. If you fear harm for her, then you shouldn't do this. يقول الساحل يجوز هل يجوز للمسلم ان يذهب للطبيب النفسي وهو كافر ويذكر 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 له بعض امور حياته يجوز هو لا يطرد من كافر ان يدله على طريق الجنه إنما يريد من الكافر يرشدها إلى طريق الخروج من ما هو فيه من مرض النفسي وغيره ثم بالنسبة إلى طريق الأحوال النفسية لا شك أن القرآن العظيم أنفع هذه الأمور يعود نفسه أن يقرأ على نفسه فاتحة الكتاب وآية الكرسي سورتين معوذتين سورتين الاخلاص يكرر ذلك باذن الله يجد اثر ذلك. Individuals asking is it permissible for a Muslim to go to a a shrink, you know, doctor with regards to a psychologist, you know, in the likes, for 
and to mention to them certain things about their lives. The Shaykh mentioned Allah Ta'ala is permissible because you're not going to this disbeliever and requesting for them how to get to Jinnah. You're going to them to request to them uh, how to cure yourself from this type of mental illness or the likes. So this type of action is permissible. But with regards to these type of mental illnesses, it should be understood that the Qur'an is the best thing that a person can use. So it is befitting that an individual makes himself accustomed to reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, reciting Ayat Al-Kursi, reciting the Quls and the likes, Surah Al-Ikhlas and the likes, and they should repeat this because this will also be a means of cure. يقول هل يجوز للزوجة أن تنقل أخبار زوجها وكذلك عائلتها إلى إلى النساء؟ هل يجوز للزوجة أن تنقل أخبار زوجها وبيتها إلى غير إلى غير أسرتها؟ إذا كانت ليس فيها شيء يعيب الزوج وإنه مجرد أخبار ولا يترتب عليها أمر مكروه فالأمر سهل والأولى لكل امرأة أن تعود نفسها حفظ سر حياتها وزوجها وأن لا تحدث أحدا إلا بأمر يترتب عليه مصلحة دينية. It's permissible for individuals asking, it's permissible for the female, the wife, to inform others about affairs related to her husband and her family. The Sheikh mentioned if these affairs have something which is uh, displeasing about the husband or it will have a displeasing effect, then she should not do so. It's not permissible for her to do so. But if it is just general speech, general news about the family and the husband, then it's permissible. But the Sheikh mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that which is befitting is that every female uh, is diligent in keeping the affairs of the home and the affairs of the husband inside the home, except that which has a greater benefit and a benefit in terms of the religion. هل يجوز للأب أن يكشف ذنوبه أو يخبر أبنائه بذنوبه لكي يعلمهم؟ إذا كانت هذه الأخبار التي يخبر الأب أولاده بها تنفعهم بالأخذ بالأسباب الواقية من وقوع الوقوع فيما وقع فيه أبيهم فلا حرج وأولى من ذلك أن يذكر لهم أن أشخاصا قد يقوم منهم كذا وكذا وفي ذلك ما يعيب ويبين لهم وجه السوء دون أن يقول أنا فعلت كذا وأنا فعلت كذا. Individuals asking is permissible for the father to mention to his children some of his sins to warn the children and to you know teach the children. The Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala 
that which the Father is going to mention is going to benefit them in the sense that they would protect, uh, you know, be cautious about falling into the same sin, then there's no problem. But that which is better and more befitting is that the Father says there's some people that do such and such, and then the Father mentions the benefits. Not that the Father, you know, mentioned that he himself had fallen into that sin. This is better and more befitting. قل السعد هل يجوز للرفض الزوج أن يقام صديقات لزوجته أو يمنح زوجته من زيارة بعض النساء؟ نعم حقه ذاكر من يقول زوجته فلانا ناس معروف عنها حسنا تعامل مع اخواتها النساء لاحظ وفلانا نسمع عنها انها شرسه وعن كذا تجنبيها والمراه عليها ان تطيع زوجها فيما يامرها به او ينهاها عنه مما لا اثم فيه واما ما فيه اثم فقد قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انما الطاقه بالمعروف Individuals asking, is it permissible for the husband to regulate uh, the friends of his wife or deny her from having certain friends? The Sheikh mentioned, yes, it's permissible from the rights of the husband to say to his wife, this female, it's known that she has good dealings with her friends, she has good dealings with Muslims, so this is the one you should be in her company. And this female is known that she has bad dealings and she has bad character, so do not be in her company. Stay away from her. And it's incumbent that the wife obeys the husband in this regard. In fact, it's incumbent that the wife obeys the husband in everything which does not have a sin. Everything which does not lead to a sin, it's incumbent that the wife obeys the husband in. But if the husband orders his wife to be obedient, in an action which is a sin, then she does not obey him. As the Prophet ﷺ said, Verily, obedience is with that which is correct. وردت في صحيح البخاري أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أن المرأة لا تسافر في يوم وليلة بدون محرم كيف نفهم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذكر اليوم والليلة؟ هذا سببه أن السائل يعرض أشياء فيه مدة 
في بعض الاحاديث ان تسافر سيرة ثلاثة أيام إلا مع الإمام أن تسافر يوما وليلة أن تسافر فمجموعة كلها تدل على الوقائع ولكن يشملها جميعا السفر ولذلك الحديث الذي يخرجه البخاري وغيره لا يحل لامرأة تؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر أن تسافر إلا مع الإمام أو زوجها إذا زوجها كتب في سرية للجهاد فقام وقال يا رسول الله إنني اكتتبت في سرية كذا وإن امرأتي خرجت حاجة قال له حج مع امرأتي المسألة ليس في اضطراب وإنما يأتي الشخص يسأل يقول نذهب مسيرة كعبة هل تذهب امرأتي إلى قلب كذا مسيرة ثلاثة أيام قال لا لا يحل لكن مطلق السفر وان تكون المراه ليس معها محرم في مسير يسمى سفر يدخل في الحديث. The individual is asking in Sahih Bukhari there are a number of hadith the Prophet mentioned that if a woman does not travel for a day or a night or two days or two nights or three days or three nights without a mahram so how do we understand this hadith? The Shaykh mentioned that the reason why Prophet mentioned three days or two days or one day is because that was what was asked to him. The individual came to the Prophet or individuals came to the Prophet and said, uh, is it allowed for a woman to travel three days in a night? The Prophet said, it's not allowed for a woman to travel three days in a night. Two days in a night. Or two days and two nights. And then you have the hadith where the Prophet said, a woman does not travel without a ma'ram. So it's not that the Prophet is saying, that a woman is allowed to travel less than three days. No, it's, he's responding to the exact question. But that which is understood is, the Prophet said, a woman who believes in Allah and the last day is not allowed to travel. So anything which is considered a travel falls under this prohibition. It took place on the time of the Prophet that a man came to him and said, Ya Rasulullah, uh, I have been registered to fight in such and such battle. But my wife has left to make Hajj. The Prophet said, Go and make Hajj with your wife. So this informs you that anything which is considered a travel, uh, the female is not allowed to do so without a male guardian or a husband. So there's no contradiction in this matter. ولا تحسب الذين قتلوا في سبيل الله أمواتا بل أحياء الذين يقتلون في سبيل الله مجاهدون في سبيل الله لتكون كلمة الله الغنية هؤلاء لإن كان في ظاهر الأمر مهما أحيا عند ربهم يرزقون ليس الرزق الذي نعرفه في حياتنا وما يحتاج اليه من اكل وشرب وقضايا حادث بغل ونحوها وانما منعمون عند الله جل وعلا وما دام ان الله يغفر عن ذلك فخبر الله كله حق ولا يصح للواحد ان يحمل ما ذكره الله جل وعلا على مجرد ما نتعارف 
عليه له ما ان الله قال انهم عند ربهم مرزقون وهم يرزقون حتما The individual is mentioning how do we understand the verse in the Quran where Allah says, and do not think that the people who have fought in the way of Allah, the martyrs, those who have died in the way of Allah, that they are dead, but in fact they are alive. The Shaykh mentioned that these are the individuals who fought in the way of Allah so that the word and the religion of Allah could be the utmost. And they are alive with Allah Azawajal, meaning uh, Allah has given them life and Allah provides for them. But that which Allah provides for them, we don't know. Is it, yeah, we don't know. Is it's not food or drink or that they use the bathroom and the lights of it, but they are blessed by Allah Azawajal. So, as long as Allah has informed us of this, we believe in it. It is not permissible for one to say, but we don't understand exactly how it takes place. That knowledge is with Allah Azawajal. As long as Allah has informed, then it is upon us to believe. كنت وعدتكم لآتي الكتب تعلق بمذهب الاثنى عشرية ولو اعتمد كم من أبياتنا اليوم هذا وإن شاء الله بحوله وقوته سوف أحضرها في المسجد في درس القاعة لنقينا أحيانا إليه على من الجانب الآخر انتهينا من درس الآن أسأل الله جل وعلا أن يجعل عملنا جميعا خالصا لوجه الله موافقا سنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مقبولا عند ربنا نافعا لنا في أمر حياتنا ومماتنا كما أسأل الله جل وعلا أن يجيرنا جميعا وأسرنا وأحبابنا من المسلمين أن يجيرنا جميعا من الفتن ما ظهر من الأرض والأرض وأن يجير هذه البلاد المملكة من الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن وان يجير المسلمين في كل مكان من جميع الفتن انه قادر على كل شيء كما نساله سبحانه باسمائه وصفاته ان ينصر المظلومين من المسلمين وان يتولى جل وعلا عقاب من يظلمهم ويسيء اليهم وان يرينا في انصار الطاغيه النصيري في الشام ان يرينا فيه وفي معينيه وانصاره لشيوعيين ورافضه في كل مكان ان يرينا فيهم عجائب اخرى وان يهدي ضال المسلمين يهدينا جميعا ويهدي اهل بلاد الاسلام الى حسن التعاون مع الله ايمانا ورجاء وخوفا كما اساله سبحانه وتعالى باسمائه وصفاته ان يحقق لهذه الامه اجتماع الكلمه وصدق التقرب الى الله جل وعلا وان يصلح ذرياتنا ويغفر لامواتنا بمن وكرمه انه يجيب الدعاء صلى الله عليه وسلم. In their methodology, he said, Inshallah, he's going to bring it. He has not forgotten that promise. He will bring it to the masjid uh, for the next lesson, Inshallah, so if we live to that time. And he mentioned, We ask Allah to make us our, our deeds sincerely for him and in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet, and that they are, our actions are beneficial. 
we ask Allah to protect us from all types of evil and ask Allah to protect us and our families and those whom we love from trials and tribulations, that which is hidden and that which is apparent, and ask Allah to, uh, to bring uh, justice uh, upon those who have oppressed the Muslims and that Allah brings punishment upon those who have oppressed the Muslims in, in the likes of Syria and other places. And we ask Allah to show us the, 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 the magnitude of his, of his abilities with regards to dealing with those who are oppressing the Muslims in Syria. And we ask Allah to guide the Muslims who have gone astray. And we ask Allah to allow the Muslims to uh, correctly and perfectly worship Allah with regards to faith and with regards to hope and with regards to fear. And we ask Allah to allow the Muslims to come together. Uh, this is that which the Shaykh mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barakatuh.